Hello, and welcome to our eighth episode of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. I'm Russell, and this is my daughter, Rebecca. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, not bad. How are you, Dad? Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to what you think of today's, actually, because um, there are some, what probably people would say were big bands of the 80s, rock bands. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like, but I only know, like from last week, you would know, I only recognise the police. Yeah. But I know which other one would be, like Genesis was obviously the other big band. Yeah. But yeah, I only knew the police. So it was a strange week and listening to it was very different, but you'll find out why as we go on. Good. Okay. I can't wait to get past the rock, is what I'm going to say. Oh, all right then. I want to I get rid of this now. Okay. <laughs> get a bit too rocky, I think. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk some music then. So last week, I gave you, as you've already mentioned, The Police and Genesis, along with The Stranglers. So which were your favourite songs of each of those first? So we had The Police, I chose So Lonely. The Stranglers, I chose All Day and All of the Night. And Genesis, I chose Invisible Touch. They were quite hard to choose this week, but for different reasons. Okay. Like police was just, there was a lot that I liked. And then the Stranglers was a bit, you'll find out what I think about them. (laughs) And then Genesis was just hard to pick one. So yeah, it it was a difficult favourite picking week, but I managed. So we've not failed. No. How many number ones do you think you listened to, if any? Um. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But maybe just a couple. And I think they've come from the police. I don't think that was a vast amount. But then you saying that they're big rock bands and like maybe they did touch in the number ones. But I don't know. I just don't think rock touches number ones as much as other genres. So I want to say a couple. Maybe Genesis had one, but I can't think of what one it would be with them being the other big rock band. I think they may have had one, but I'm not too sure this week. The the police probably had one or two. I I think I'm confident on the police having at least one, maybe two, but we'll find out. Yeah. Well, I can tell you now, you listened to five number ones. Okay. However, like I think it was last week or the week before, and I gave you some songs from pre-1980. So like the end of the 70s as they're coming into the 80s, you had two songs where you actually listened to four songs from one band that were pre-80s. Okay. And two of those songs were a number one. And one of the others was a number two. Oh, so one of the bands did so well. So that was just to show you how big they were even at the end of the 70s and then carried it forward into the 80s. But yeah. Okay. So you've listened to five number ones. Three of those were from the 80s. All right. So three from the 80s. That's not bad. I can deal with that. Okay. So let's go and start with The Police. Yeah, so The Police, I really enjoyed listening to those, but obviously they're the ones that I'd heard of, so there was obviously going to be songs that I recognised, songs that I did enjoy. Yeah. You know, even just starting off the first, like, six that I had on the list, I was like, know it, know it. So it really got me into them straight off because it weren't a slow start in the sense that it was, right, okay, I've never heard this before, let's really listen to it. It was, I know this and I recognise it and I can already get a feel of what they're going to be like. They're not as rock 
considering they're a rock band, but I think I say this every week, the rock that was in the 80s isn't the rock that's in my head because I think of like more heavier rock. So this week, um, and again, I'm like you, because I wasn't into rock, I, I didn't understand there was different kinds of rock. For me, a rock band was um, you had your really heavy metal, heavy rock, yeah, which was like the real extreme, and then you had like your Queen, yeah, sort of rock, yeah, you know. But I suppose me doing this is I'm finding out there's loads. So you listen to three groups, all rock bands, but different kinds of rock, all three of them. That doesn't surprise me. So the Police <laughs> were pop rock. Okay, that makes They're sense. They're classed as that. The Stranglers were punk rock. That also makes so sense. So that's more the 70s. And then Genesis were actually pioneers of progressive rock. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. Although when I looked at it, The Clash were evidently progressive rock. Oh. But we had them down, oh, I had them down as punk rock. So they're like The Stranglers. But they did come listed when I looked it up on progressive rock. The Clash come up as well. So even people who have obviously put that information out there don't know which category they sit under. But Genesis were, it did say they were pioneers of progressive rock. So I guess that's why they're so big as well then. Yeah, yeah. So to begin with, Police, and they are pop rock. That makes sense. I can get down because they were, I've written down, I'm able to sing along and everything. And I feel like when I'm able to sing along, like I don't think rock is something that you can really indulge yourself in uh, singing because it's more about the music. It's more about how they present themselves and what it sounds like rather than what they're saying. But I could sing to these. So the pop side of it, I guess, comes through in there. Yeah, I can see that. What I did have, I had the same vibes as when I had status quo. They're, They're similar, but not. Like in the sense that when I was listening to them, I think it's I recognised them, I could sing along, they were upbeat, I felt, you know, in touch with the music and I liked it. Uh-huh. And the choruses, it's like the police have this thing of the choruses are very repetitive and catchy. And I think that's what gets you. And it's like every single song you get to the chorus and it's just repeating what the song title is. And there weren't any like boring ones like chilled out and just mellow. They're all up and about and going for it. And I got the sense that there weren't one main singer. Like they kind of took it in turns maybe, but I don't know. They might just been able to change their voice. I would say that Sting, Gordon Sumner, is your main vocalist. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about Sting because there's a little thing. So obviously I've heard of the police. But when I know about the police, I don't think about the individuals who are in it. Usually I'd wait for you to be like, this person's in it and this person. And usually I don't know who they are. But with police, when you sent me the list, I was like, oh, Roxanne. I know that song. And then it reminded me of a Friends episode where Ross's son goes to school with Sting's son and Phoebe wants to go to Sting's concert. I've only ever known Sting as a soloist and I was like ah so Sting sung Roxanne when I was watching this thing because she starts singing Roxanne um but then when I saw that I was like oh no it's not Sting well it's not Sting himself as a soloist he's from the police so I was like oh okay so I know one person 
recognize someone I know who he is so yeah little random thing of how I put this together yeah but as it went on through the hits that you've sent me it got less rocky like the music didn't chill out but it weren't as in your face and loud like when you get to you know like every breath you take that's very slow and just a nice song rather than the instruments in the background it focuses more on the singing and I feel like as it went on maybe it was from now I can't remember whether any before that um got less music and instrument bass in the background but I quite like that I don't know whether they had a change in how they were presenting their music in their lineup and that yeah like whether they did like a spandau ballet type thing and kind of changed it a bit but they didn't change it too much that you could really notice I just think they maybe hit down a different line of let's try this and mellow it out a little bit but not too much let's stay with the rock but one thing was their intros are quite long like you start listening to it and you're there like you're gonna sing yet you're coming in yet no just music but I mean the music is very simple as well so I don't know if there was many people like it was quite this person does this and this person does this and we just put it together and there's not too much going on and you're not getting lost in it. And when I was watching the videos, I had a look at them and you could tell that they were down the line, down the style of looking rock. You know, they had their shaggy rough looking and the hair was like it weren't preened and brushed and whatnot. But I did notice they look like they're on something. So I don't know whether they... Mm -hmm. There's one guy that's very like gorm. Like, very thin face. And he looked like he was on something. So, I don't know. Maybe that's just the way he looked. And because of how the world is, I now see it as, were you on something? But back then, that would have just been him. I don't know. But Connor thought the same thing. He was like, they look wired. And I was like, yeah, they do. They look like they're on something. And as the videos went on, I think you can tell that they made more money because their videos changed. And you could tell there was more money put into the videos. Or it was because videos then became the main gotta remember what we said right at the very start early 80s where videos weren't a big thing and as you've said before it's more videos of them in the studio or on tour so live and then obviously 83 84 from then videos then play a big part and the budgets are then being used as much on the video as it is anywhere else as obviously we said with Duran Duran so it, it might not be that they got bigger because I would say they were big from the 70s. As I said earlier, yeah. I think it was just more of the pot got put into the video than before. Right. They knew where they needed to put the money. Yeah. OK, yeah, that's true. So I guess as we get into when the videos changed, yeah, I guess it shows how long that they were performing in the into the 80s. Like they obviously stayed for a long time, unlike others that we've had that maybe only lasted for two years. So they obviously were around for a while. But again, they look like clones of each other. And I don't know whether that's a thing that bands are doing back then, but they're all just blonde. They all had similar hairstyles and they just all dress. I mean, I know bands tend to have a look about them. So their clothing does tend to be similar. So they don't look like they're just people from the street put together to perform. But especially when you bring in the hairstyles, they look like brothers. And not going to lie, I couldn't tell which one Sting was. The singer? Yeah, but I didn't, like, I couldn't tell it was him. Oh, right, okay. So I don't know if it's just because he's younger when I've seen him. I would say it's because it's younger than what you know of him now. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you wouldn't know Billy Idol, but in Synchronicity, Synchron- however you say it. I can't say that word either. No. 
he looks like Billy Idol in the video. Who Sting does. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch that He video. was very much like a, a Billy... But you wouldn't know who Billy Idol is. We haven't come, obviously, no. to, to Billy Idol yet. So whether he based himself on a Billy Idol, I don't know. But yeah. Who knows? Yeah, but he's definitely changed the way... Well, he hasn't changed the way he looks. He's gone that way. Oh, he's de- yeah. yeah, obviously now. But we're, we're talking, you know, 40-odd years ago. <laughs> yeah, so when I first watched it, I was like, so I know one of these is Sting, but I don't know which one it is. And obviously then the singer, as I gathered, I could work it out. But if they were all singing or in the video, they, like it weren't like a performance and I couldn't see which one was singing, I wouldn't have known because they looked like clones of each other. I was like, what on earth? <laughs> this is, must just be what people do in the 80s. doesn't look like each other. <laughs> but no, they were like I say, they weren't what I was expecting. I thought the police of what I could remember of them, especially seeing Roxanne and knowing about Sting, I thought they were a lot more rock. Yeah. So before you got the list of songs, obviously you already knew about the police. If I just said to you, you've got the police, how many of their singles could you have actually named? None. So even though you'd heard of them, you wouldn't have known that until you got given the songs and put the songs with the you. So if you heard something on the radio, like Every Breath You Take, you wouldn't have known it was the police. No, because I'm rubbish. Like even now, I mean, the current people that I listen to or ones that I really know, like give me an aha song and I could say that's them. Do you know what I mean? Just hearing it and being like, yeah, but no, I'm rubbish. I can't even think like Roxanne and Every Breath You Take, like they're big ones that you obviously know. I'm not going to, I can't sit there and be like, oh yeah, police, yeah, they're Roxanne, aren't they? Police, every, no, I can't do it. I don't know why the information doesn't stay in my brain for me to put them two together. And I don't know whether it's because it's my, well now because Connor can do it. So it must just be me. Because I was going to say, I don't know if it's like our generation where we're just so used to putting something on your phone that's in a pre-made playlist you don't really see because i suppose now it's because you just download songs you like yeah it's not so much the artist so whereas you know or has bought out a new album for instance i've got to go and buy it Mm. with your generation it's i like this song i need to download that and you don't even think about who the artist is i suppose it's just you like that song yeah like i say there's like pre-made playlists on spotify where I could just put it on because the playlist I was listening to one the other day and it was best of the decade for you. It was like the noughties majority. So that was just loads of naughty songs. And like when I heard the song, I was like, oh, this is this person. But not all of them. There was a couple and I had to look and be like, oh my God, it's that person. I forgot about that person even existing. So would you just put it on and you just know the song? I don't then think who sings this. I just save it or like it. And then it goes in my light. Mm playlist and I'll just play it again but if you were doing this with Connor and you were like the police he'd be able to yeah. name some because funny we were talking earlier and he said to me oh have you listened to message in a bottle and I was like yeah but I only knew that I'd listened to that because I had it from you so I, I knew what songs I listened to but if I didn't know or if it was before and I just found out that we were that I was listening to the police and he said it I'd have been like the message in the what now <laughs> is that a song by the police so like he can think of it at the top of his head and knows which one he likes me no but when you've sent me them as soon as I saw Roxanne and you know the others that I really knew I was like oh oh yeah so yeah I'm not that good at that I can't retain information in my head really I don't know how I've ever done exams and stuff (laughs) okay so the lineup for um, the police obviously you've probably realized they were a trio 
However, they didn't start off as a trio. They started off as a quartet. Oh, so right. you originally had Gordon Sumner, who is Sting. So we just call him Sting from now on. But his yeah, name was me. Gordon Sumner. No, exactly. Everyone knows him as Sting. And I also found out the reason he's called Sting is he always used to wear a black and yellow striped sweater. And like on a the bumblebee. Back of that, they called it like a, well, that, it said like a wasp, but oh, yeah, okay. like a bumblebee or a wasp. He got called Sting on the back of that, and it's obviously stuck. And now, if you said to someone, oh, that Gordon Sumner, what do you think? They wouldn't know who you're talking about. As soon as you mentioned Sting, it's a worldwide name, Sting. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's probably up there with your Michael Jacksons and Stevie Wonder and what have you. You know, he is, you know, Paul McCartney, you know, he's a big name on his own. It's weird because it's like I would never have been like, oh, this guy actually has a normal name. I'm just like, this person's Sting. But then I guess in like music industry and even like acting, a lot of people change their name to stick with a persona. Yeah. I actually can't think of any, but there are people that don't use their real name and they're like Katy Perry's real name isn't Katy Perry. Prince. Yeah. Elton John. I don't know why I can think of it. What's Elton John's name? Uh, oh, it's... That's not weird, his name? It's No, no, no. And his name's... Um... I can't remember offhand now, but um, it's a very strange name, actually, if I remember. But no, Elton John is not his right name. Elton Hercules John. Oh, born Reginald Kenneth. What? That's it. Where on Reg. earth did he get Elton John from? <laughs> like, I can understand if go. it's like Sting or Prince and it's just like a random name that they're going by. But he's literally changed his whole name. To yeah, but so what's where... his surname? What was the surname? Dwight. Yeah, so it's not a pop star name, is it, Reg Dwight? No, that's what I mean. So I think when I said about Katy Perry, I think she only, yeah, so her surname is Hudson. So she changed it because I think Kate Hudson, the actress, existed. So she went and changed her name to something else. So I get I get why like people do it, but that's what I mean. Like People do it to fit with a persona or to fit. You know, like Dwight yeah. doesn't sound like a... I mean, actors and that, they, there's quite, you know, there is a thing that you even, you can choose a name and it might already be on the register if someone else, so you change it. Because if yeah. you come on, if there's already a Russell L registered, I'd have to change my name. Yeah, because otherwise you're not really so going to get noticed, is... are you? No. For being you. No. I mean, I don't think you're going to be an actor anytime soon, Dad, but... No, no. <laughs> so Sting, he was a vocalist. I mean, he's a very talented musician because he's a bass guitarist, a keyboard a saxophonist, and he also played the harmonica. So he was quite a talented, which is obviously why he's gone on, because he was also the principal songwriter. Oh, wow. That's why he went on to bigger, and why when he left the police, the police pretty much folded. Because without Sting, you want anyone. And I suppose it's a bit like with Spandau Ballet. You take away the the main songwriter. Okay, he's not the singer, but he's still the songwriter and a musician, you've, you've lost two bits of it. With Sting, he was also the singer. So you, you take away one whole talent. It, you know, yeah. yeah. You had Stuart Copeland. He was the drummer. You had Henry Padovani. He was the original guitarist. So he was the number one. Then you had Andy Summers, who was like a number two guitarist. But then they asked Andy Summers to join the band full time as a guitarist. So he was just like part time, just, you know, filling in. And he said, I'll only do it if there's three of us. I don't want to do it as in like him be the backup guitarist. At first they felt as in Sting and Stuart Copeland felt loyal to to this Henry Padovani. And so they said no. But then after a while, they so they, they were formed in 1977 and Henry had left by the time, by the end of 1977, he was he was not in the band. They stuck with Andy Summer and they become the threesome trio that we all know. 
So there was one other person originally in the band. But I guess if that Andy Summers was part-time, it was just working out the balance of it. They just felt he brought more, from what I read, he understood what where Sting was coming from with his lyrics. And then, obviously, I suppose they all worked together to get the music in, you know, with the drums and obviously the guitar, the bass guitar and what have you. And he was bringing more to the table, I can only guess, obviously I don't know, than this Henry Padovani. And so they then said, right, we're going to keep you on. And obviously, unfortunately, um, said to to Henry, um, you're not needed anymore. And that was it. Yeah. I guess it's in the best interest of the band and the way that the band want to go and yeah. their visions. And if you're all going to have different ideas, then it's not going to work. So if you're going to no. come together, you're going to do it with the ones that are all, in, all on the same page. Yeah. And I suppose it's like, it's not the first time we've come across it. Ultra Fox changed their lineup. Yeah. You know, John Fox went to do his own thing. Unfortunately, he didn't. it didn't work out as well as it did with Sting because John Fox didn't really go. I mean, he, he was still good, but he didn't go on to really achieve much. Whereas Majeur took his place in Ultra Vox, made Ultra Vox brilliant. And then he also, as a soloist, probably not as big as Sting, but he still had some good hit as a soloist. So it's happened before, definitely. But yeah, so that's what happened. So as I said, they were formed in 1977 and they were around until 1986, which is when Sting then went on to do his own thing. Stuart Copeland was actually the main founder. So he's, he's American. He'd come over with his group. They then split up. And um, he was obviously, while he was here, he was going to festivals and what have you with his band as he was then. And he liked the rock side of it and formed his own group, which was inspired by the punk rock movement and got together with um, obviously Sting, Henry and then Andy come along and created the group. That's not bad. It's weird because when you think of Sting, he's such a household name. Yeah, well, yeah, as I say, he's a global name, yeah. Yeah, so you'd think that he was the one behind the police, but then obviously he was the songwriter, the singer and a talented musician, so he had a lot to do with it when he was in there. But you saying that he weren't the one that formed it, I weren't expecting that. I thought it would have been him. I thought it was like his band, yeah, because he's the one that's got really far. Well, I'll be honest, I thought the same, but it was actually Stuart Copeland who was, he was already in a group, and he formed his own band while over in, in this country. I mean, good choice for him because he did well. So, yeah, that was back in 1977. So their first single or their, their first big hit was actually in 1978, which was Can't Stand Losing You. And that got to number two. So are these the ones that had the two number ones in the 70s? They are indeed. So which songs do you would you say? I mean, I, I actually gave you four songs from the 70s, late 70s. Obviously, I've just mentioned one, Can't Stand Losing You. What do you think the others were? Bear in mind, I said they had two number ones, and I haven't given you a number one yet. That was number two. No. Roxanne, because it from the police, even if you were to just ask me which ones do you think were the number ones they've had this many, I'd say Roxanne would be one. And then, I mean, I, w- I wanted to say Every Breath You Take is a number one, but I don't think that's pre-80s. I think that's in the 80s. I don't know, maybe Message in a Bottle. That was a good one. Let's try and back one that Connor likes. So maybe that one. Okay. So 
I will give you the four hits from the 70s. So 1978, as I've just said, Can't Stand Losing You, got to number two. And that's what then obviously opened up the doors for them and made them notice. 1979, Roxanne, number 12. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you know there's a drinking game to do with that song? No. <laughs> Drink every time they say Roxanne. Oh. Okay. I used to do it in uni because they say it oh. so much. It's a good pre-drinking <laughs> game. So, not uh, that you drink, but if you ever fancy yeah. it, that's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, message in a Bottle, 1979, number one. Okay, there you go, back to Connor's one. And then 1979, Walking on the Moon, number one. Okay, I didn't think much of that one. That was the first one that I wrote down, walking on a bit. That one, probably out of all of them, that's one that makes me want to chill out a bit. Uh-huh. But it's not like a chill out song like in previous bands that we've had, but it was probably a mellow one. Considering you had one like Roxanne, two songs before, I weren't expecting them to then go down that route. But yeah, I didn't think much of that one. I did like it. It's like it's in my liked list but but that's when I think I started to be like they're not as rock as I expected uh, and yeah. it was because I then started hearing like that and was like oh okay they're not rock sure okay I wouldn't have said it would have been a number one well it was I'm surprised about Roxanne to be fair yeah they uh won the Brit Awards for the best British group in 1982 so that shows you how big they were in the early 80s yeah Considering they hadn't long been about either. And the funny thing is, so that must have been on the back of 1981, because in 1982, they didn't have a hit. Oh, okay. As you'll see when I go through the songs. They, in 1982, they went literally went from 1981 to 1983. There was nothing in 1982, but that's the year they won Best British Group. So it must have been on the back of their 1981s. Yeah, and how they came into the industry, maybe. Yeah, and then in 1984... Every Breath You Take won Song of the Year at the Grammys. Well, that don't surprise me. That's a good song. Yeah. And it has been used in others um, by other artists. PM Dawn, I think it was, Set Adrift on or whatever. I think that used, um, I think it was Every Breath You Take that that sampled. Does it? Yeah, it doesn't prime it. It is a big one. Like people, I mean, other people are not like me and can probably name songs when you say a band. But I think if you say The Police, I would expect people to bring up Roxanne or Every Breath You Take. Yeah. I'm not surprised that got a Grammy. Not really surprised they got a Brit either. No. So they've had three studio albums in the 80s. Oh, so not many. But however, they all got to number one. Really? Yeah, so they'd released three albums in the 80s and every one of them got to number one. And then they also um, released a compilation, the Singles album, and that also got to number one. Wow, so they were really big people. So that shows you how big they were. Well, I mean, the singles did do well as well. And obviously, yeah, the albums too, because I think people just loved their music, whether it was a a number one hit or a a B-side. I mean, there was one that... um, Tea in the Sahara, which you wouldn't listen to. It's just a B-side, but it's pretty much on all their greatest, on their, all their like compilations. I was like, I've missed, I've missed that Tea in the Sahara, but it wasn't. It was never released. It was a B-side to King of Pain. Ah, so it was never released as a single to get no. in the charts. Because no. that's what I was going to ask. If they had 
three studio albums, how do they not have more hits? So I'm guessing the hits are the ones that are released as singles. Because yes, nowadays, yeah, yeah. like I think I mentioned, Justin Bieber's just released an album. Because and... it's now done on download. So you, yeah. you have songs that could get into the charts that beforehand, before downloads come along, wouldn't have even been downloaded. Because back in the 80s, you know, you might release four singles from an album some people only three some might have gone five but the yeah. others were just what they called album fillers yeah to be fair I guess when I first started buying me because I'm in that weird generation where I did do the buying like I remember my first single that you and mum must have bought me was Girls Aloud Sound of the Underground and it was just on a CD and it was just that I think it had three songs on there but it was the single and so I bought them and had them but nowadays, the artists don't release single albums to get in the chart. They just release uh, single songs. They just release the album and then you tend to have people listen to them and then they get in the chart based on the listeners and the downloads. So it has changed a lot. And I am that weird generation that's done it both ways. And sometimes I can't get my head and I forget about how it used to be and how it is now because I'm so used to it. But yeah, so I guess when they've released their three albums... Because before they release the albums, they kind of release singles, right? Am I right there? Um, they might release one or two. Then yeah, release to the kind album, of promote the album. There might be another one that comes with the album or just after the album. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. To, just to, I suppose, to keep the album in the public eye and people still, but oh, I like that. Someone not, you know, heard the first two. or it's, it's just a way of promoting the album. I suppose the album is still the big thing. The singles promote that album. Right, okay. Because I was just like, hang on, they did three. And this is what I mean, I can't always get my head around how it all works because I'm used to how, like, you know, I get told this person's just dropped an album and I'll click on it and listen to the whole album. I don't have to wait for the album or just listen to a single. But when you said three studio albums, obviously you said they've they've had no hits in 82. I was like, hang on a minute, if all three of their albums got to number one, why have I not just got listed there whole playlists of every single album but it's because these will be the ones that were released as singles i'm with you yeah yeah to be fair they still did well oh to be fair for them to be really big there's not as many as you would have thought when you've had the likes of like madness and i had like 20 odd songs for them but i think you've got to remember madness and that were they were just churning out songs Mm. and they were i suppose on a bigger timeline so you're literally just looking at from 1977 to 1986 with the police. Then Sting left and that, that was it. So 1986 was when they yeah, that's pretty much yeah. that was it. Whereas um, I think Madness, as we said, went through. And they I think they started, uh, might have been about the same time actually. But I suppose it's just, again, cult following. I think Madness did have a big following. I mean, I would say police did, but. Probably not. not Do, you know, I was just about to say, I'm surprised police didn't. Because when you say pop rock, like me, if they were sold, I mean, they are sold as a rock band. Like, I think when I, I quickly Googled them to get the top videos for me to watch on YouTube. And then all I saw was the police rock band. And I was like, okay, so they are definitely rock. But then when you said they're pop rock, you can then hear, and I would think they would be more in touch with different people. Like how you and me, we don't listen to rock. We're not rock people, but the police, they're not rock in my head. So I would listen. I think they'd have a bigger following based on the fact that they're not pure. No, I suppose they're they're a bit like Queen if you, if you look at it that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
like they they're down that route and that's what they're classed as yeah. but the music they release can actually like being a pop on have a, other people yeah, indulge or whatever you want to class yeah. it as the chart on a and, on a larger yeah. scale yeah and get people across the spectrum yeah. rather than just hitting at one direct genre which so is surely the clever way that's how yeah. you're gonna make your your money i mean i guess yeah. i don't think stings that has um done too bad out of it to be honest so uh no, definitely. No. I mean, he's not someone that I personally would go listen to, yeah. but he's done well for Black. I know of him, so he's done yeah. well. Okay, so singles-wise, they had seven top ten singles with five number ones. They've had all the number ones that you've... Yeah. Okay, yeah, not so far. To be fair, I did say a couple, and I think they'd yeah. all be the police. If you anyone, it would be Genesis, but I weren't too sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, you've had two of them, which were obviously from the 80s. So then there's three left. And you've got three left. So before I go through their their hits, what do you think the three number ones are? Every breath you take. I mean, if that's not, and then they got a Grammy from it, that's done well off its own back, hasn't it? Then every little thing she does is magic. And let's back my favourite, So Lonely. Okay. It's going to be an odd one, like the dee-doo-doo-da-da-diddly-doo one, isn't it? So, 1980, they had one, two, three, four hits, starting with So Lonely at number six. Oh, okay, that's not too bad. It's still going to the top ten. Six Pack, number 17. Don't Stand So Close to Me, number one. Okay. De-do-do-do-de-da-da-da, number five. I can't take that song title seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going into 1981, where they had three hits, including my favourite one, which is Invisible Sun, which got to number two. That wasn't a big one of mine. It didn't make my liked songs. Okay. Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic, number one. Okay. And Spirits in the Material World, number 12. We're now going to 1983, where again they had three hits, starting with Every Breath You Take at number one. Okay, so I got two right. Wrapped around your finger, number seven, and Synchronon City two, number seventeen. And in nineteen eighty four, you have King of Pain that got to number seventeen. And in nineteen eighty six, a re release of Don't Stand So Close to Me got to number twenty four this time. Yeah, it was number one the first time. Yeah, and funny enough, Can't Stand Losing You which got to number two in 1978. Uh They re-released that in 1995. Ben and I have already, you know, broken up on a thing. I don't understand why these bands do that. There are so many bands each week that you say to me, they re-released Maybe it was was, um, they bought out a Greatest Hits or something and they re-released that. But it it got to number 27. So it was still, not obviously as well as number two, but it's still, we're talking in the 90s now, mid-90s. And it got to number 27, even still then. Only their re-releases got out of the top 20. All of their hits are in the top 20. Yeah, yeah. That's why I would also expect there to be more. Yeah. But I think it also shows how good Sting was, because he penned all the number ones. So he was their principal songwriter. Yeah, but weren't he with the songwriter for all of them? Well, it said he was principal. I didn't look at all of them. I just looked at their number ones, and he was a songwriter for all of them. Right. I mean, it says he's the principal songwriter which says that maybe the other two had an input in some of the others, but definitely the number ones, they were all Sting. And then obviously went off by himself. Why did he go off by himself? 
I suppose he, he felt he'd taken the police as far as he could and wanted to do other avenues. I suppose he'd seen that others were doing the same thing and, you know, he wanted to, to do it as well. Fair enough. I mean, that's off to him because he did well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So there weren't any falling out? No, I think the other two didn't want to split, but I suppose if the main person does, you haven't got really much choice, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, so um, I'm not aware that there's any animosity between them all now, but I, I don't know whether at the time there was. I'm sure there was a bit because the other two would have been a bit, you know, because oh, it's their career and... I suppose it's hard to replace someone like Sting. You know, he was a big part of them. Yeah. If he was just like like one of them as just a guitarist, you could probably just get someone else in. Yeah. Okay. So we shall move on then to the Stranglers. Yeah. Not as um, popular. Uh, I'm not as thrilled. No. No. Listen to these every week. I Well, listen to these. I realise that every week there is at least... One band that's a bit weird. One band that I find a bit odd. That I'm like, what are you? Why do you exist? <laughs> I can't think of weird ones at the top of my head. That just shows that I'm rubbish. But there always seems to be a weird, like Arcadia, even though that was like Duran Duran, they were weird. You weren't really on the undertones, were you? No, all the specials. Or I was going to say the specials. And was it last week you weren't that fussed on Roxy Music? Yeah, or the jam. Yeah, there's just ones when they're a bit weird. And I'm like, Dad, what am I doing this to me? Like, they have a song called Midnight Summer Dream and they're talking. Well, they're not talking, they're just... It's like singing and talking. And it's a really long song. And that's what I found about The Stranglers. They do have quite long songs. And I found that with, I can't remember which, but I've mentioned it before with a band a few weeks ago where the songs were just too long and I started zoning out. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't. There's nothing keeping me with you. Like, they're quite slow. They're, I wouldn't expect these to be rock. I mean, they do sound a bit rock. So yeah, punk rock. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think the focus is on the instruments more than their singing and what they're singing about. But yeah, there was a, there was only a couple that I really liked that caught my attention, like Golden Brown and then All Day and All of the Night was my favourite one. I like No Mercy. But there weren't many with these, which is why I've said this week I found it hard to pick favourites. Like with The Police, it was because there was just so many that I did like. And these, there were just so many that I didn't like. But yeah, like they weren't that bad. They were just a bit meh. There was an instrument in there. I'm intrigued to hear what instrument they have because, because like I say, the focus was more on the instruments and the music than the lyrics and the singing. And there was an instrument that kept coming up and like, I can't describe it, but I want to know whether there's any instruments that we might not have heard of before or one that might be a new one that's introduced that we haven't had yet. All right, well, I'll, I'll do that now. So they were formed in 1974. They were actually formed as the Guildford Stranglers, because they formed in Guildford. Oh, right. But then they dropped Guildford, because although they were formed in Guildford, none of the band were actually from Guildford. Okay. So they just dropped the Guildford and just become the Stranglers, which I think was probably better as a um, commercial thing. To say you're the Guildford Stranglers is probably not as good as the Stranglers. 
Hmm. It's not really good to be called the Stranglers, is it? Well, no, 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 true. But if you're actually from a place as the Guildford Stranglers, it's... Hmm. That's what I was going to say, though. Me saying that you always give me a weird one, they're also weird sounding. Uh-huh. I mean, Roxy Music wasn't a weird sounding name. I suppose Squeeze as well would probably yeah. be, yeah. Or like the undertones, the specials, like they're just... So, like, I should start guessing which, which one the weird's going to be. Forget <laughs> guessing how many number ones there are. Guess which one's the weird one. Because there's always one. Um, so they were formed by Brian Duffy, who, funny enough, like Sting, is known by his um, nickname of Jet. I don't know why he's called... I mean, it's Jet Black. So, yeah, that's what he goes that's by. That's very odd. Yeah, and he was the drummer. And then you've got Jean-Jacques Bernal. He was actually from um, Notting Hill, but he was actually living in or moved to um, Godalming, which is just outside Guildford, so Surrey. So he was the nearest to it, and he was the bass guitarist, and he was also a vo- the vocalist. You had Hugh Cornwell, who is still going, because we've seen him at Rewind as Hugh Cornwell from The Stranglers, I think. He was also the vocalist and a guitarist. And then you had Hans Warmling on the keyboards and also guitars, but then he was replaced in 1975 by Dave Greenfield on keyboards. Okay. Is that all of them? That's all of them. So it must be keyboards that's given me all the so different... I would say, yeah, even though it doesn't say synthesizer... It but must have had something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So they were signed up to Epic Records in 1983, and Hugh Cornwell departed in 1990, and they wrote all the songs together. So all of them on as songwriters, that I, from what I could see. Okay, so they're all weird then. Um, and um, unfortunately, Dave Greenfield, he died in May 2020 from COVID. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, bless him. I think he's the first artist we've come across who's actually died from the COVID. Died recently and died from the pandemic. I mean, like, obviously with COVID, it has said that people die and have got underlying health. He had a heart condition anyway, from what I could gather. But then obviously, yeah, he contracted COVID and that's what killed him. Yeah. They had five albums in the 80s. And they had four top 10 hits. And their biggest hit was in 1982 and got to number two. Please say that's my favourite one. Golden Brown. Oh, no, that makes it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And believe it or not, it was kept off number one by a song that you liked that we mentioned last week. Really? By The Jam, A Town Called Malice. Oh, I accept that. That is what kept it off number one. A Town Called Malice was number one. Golden Brown was number two. Why do I recognise Golden Brown so much? I don't know if it's been used. And it's a, I don't know. It's a song that it's probably if you're going to have a Stranglers track, it's that. Although I know Skin Deep's used a lot, which I, I like, like Skin, Skin Deep. Skin Deep yeah. comes up. Yeah, I, and that's the one I like. And that that's on 80s compilations as well. If you're going to have a Stranglers track mm. on it, it's usually Golden Brown or Skin Deep. Not, I'm afraid, your, your favourite of all day and all of the night. That's quite shocking. I think that's the best one that's on there. Mm. But yeah, I, it's like when I first, like when I was playing it in my car on my first listen and Golden Brown came on, I was like, and because it's the first one that you sent me of the Stranglers, that gave me a high expectation. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I know this one. It's going to be a good week like with the police. I'm going to know them. No, just know that. And then I'm really like, I'm like, but why do I know that one so much? So it must be used in something. Yeah. I don't and know, I don't know what. I can't hit. think of it. Yeah. So, yeah. 
they did have three top 10 hits in 1977 as well. Peaches got to number eight. Something Better Change got to number nine. And No More Heroes got to number eight. They did have some hit songs before they got signed up, as I said, by Epic. Because I think they, they were with someone, got, got dropped. And then obviously after Golden Brown got to number two, Virgin and Epic Radio, Epic Records went from and they went with Epic. So they're 80s songs. 1980 Bear Cage got to number 36. Who Wants the World got to number 39. Golden Brown, as we said, got to number two. Strange Little Girl, that got to number seven. European Female, 1983, got to number nine. Midnight Summer Dream, number 35. Uh, 1984 Skin Deep, that got to number 15. No Mercy, that got to number 37. Um, and then you go in like 1986, Nice in Nice, num- or oh, Nice in Nice, number 30. Always the Sun, which is another song I like of theirs, 1986. That only got to number 30. 1988, All Day and All of the Night, that got to number seven. And then in 1989, Get a Grip on Yourself, which was a re-release of their 1977 hit that only got to number 44 then, got to number 33 in 1989. They just seem all over the place then. Yeah, I suppose they didn't have a big follower. And that's what I'm saying. If you're if you're a Spandau Ballet, a Ram, a Duran Duran, you had the girl groupies or, you know, if you're Madness, you had a big following through your type of music. And I suppose in a sense, you know, if you were into, into rock and that, you'd have been probably the police or queen. Probably the Stranglers wasn't a, a, a big following. Yeah, you'd have gone with the bigger ones. So, which I suppose, you know... The, all it is is some 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 artists like to want to be mainstream, and I suppose that's where the money is. But others are quite like happy they do it just they to like stay it. out and yeah. Although saying that, when I was watching the videos, these lot didn't look like they were having any fun whatsoever. They looked bored. I was like, "Are you okay?" Like no. they just frowned a lot, and they're just very serious. I was like, All right, then you're not really enjoying your life, are you? No. And they're just dark clothing. Browning, I was like, all right, I don't know if this is a vibe that you want to have as a group, but I mean, you can cheer up a bit. <laughs> okay, we'll move on then to Genesis. Yeah. What do you think of Genesis then? Genesis is the one with Phil Collins, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. So I couldn't, like, I was like, Genesis, Dad has mentioned Genesis. And I was really thinking about it. And then me and Connor were thinking, and then I just remembered Phil Collins. And then, obviously, when I was listening to it, I could then hear his voice. And was that, you know, definitely Phil Collins. But it's weird that Phil Collins, because when I heard him and I recognised him the most in Invisible Touch, he did a lot of Disney songs, didn't he? He did, yes. He did, um, was it the Tarzan? Tarzan? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's where I know his voice from. And Invisible Touch is what clicked it, so he must have sounded really similar in that. And it's weird that he is in a rock band, yet went off to do Disney, and it's not like they're rock. Like, mm. so I was a bit. Like, when we, when, I mean, it's going to be a while until we get to Phil Collins, the soloist. Mm. But he was had just as many hits, I would say, as a soloist, probably more so than Sting. Oh, okay. And the style of of you know from Genesis to to what he is there, you know, he's you know, I suppose it's. I wouldn't like to know what to call it. It's not pop, but it is easy listening music, you know. Some um, sort of middle ground. But yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he was probably 
in the 80s, Phil Collins was probably one of the main, you know, we talked about Majeur, I suppose Sting. I mean, Phil Collins played the drums on Do They Know It's Christmas? Oh, okay. He is some sort of household name because I know him. Yeah. And obviously then me, like in Disney, I've put them two together. So he's obviously made a name for himself, Hmm. but I wouldn't know any Phil Collins songs as such. And I didn't know about, I didn't know about Genesis. Like I only know of Phil Collins because of the Tarzan songs. And I think, I think when, when we get there (laughs) next year, (laughs) um, (laughs) I think you'll like Phil Collins songs. Okay. I mean, I'm a fan of Phil Collins as, as, as a soloist as much as I am Genesis. I want to put you a Genesis fan. I like Genesis, yeah. And that's why I, um, I gave you two of their, their songs that were from the um, 90s, didn't I? In, um, oh, I can't remember what they were now. I Can't Dance, I think was one of them. And Oh, you send them in order, don't you? No Son of Mine? Yes, that would have been it. And I Can't Dance. Yes, they're the two from them the 90s. Two. Yeah, yeah. So they were the two in the 90s. But I gave you them just because they're still good songs. And it was even at the end of, I suppose, Phil Collins leaving, Peter Gabriel had already left. Even uh, Mike Rutherford had Mike and the Mechanics going by then. So, um, I mean, from Gen- out of Genesis, you had three big players that went on to, obviously, Phil Collins. But Peter Gabriel had a big solo career himself. You've probably heard of Sledgehammer. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> if you play it, I might know it. Yeah, yeah. And um, he also done a duet with Kate Bush. Oh, okay. So he he had he he went on to do well. And Mike Rutherford, he formed Mike and the Mechanics, who had a big song with the Living Years, and they had some other okay hits. But you know, from just from Genesis, another you had three big people that went on to to still achieve in the music business. Okay. So it weren't like the police where just Sting left. These three all went off and did their own thing and carried on in their own right. Oh. Definitely. Well, I did like these. They were a lot more rock than like the police. Um, I think they were the most rock out of the three that I had this week. Yeah. And their focus was a lot more on the music than the content. Again, I think they were quite long songs and had a bit of an intro. But listen to it. They had a nice mix within the list that you sent me. Like, it weren't in-your-face rock. They weren't chilled out. It was a nice a nice mix. And I, were, I didn't find myself getting bored. I didn't find myself not wanting to listen to it because it's too rock. I can see why they're big. But I didn't, like, I didn't like as many of their songs as I did The Police. And I don't know if that's just because I recognise more of The Police. But not as many of these caught me as much. They weren't too bad. And literally, when... I started listening to it. I'm like, I was encaptivated from the first beat. I was like, right, I'm here. You've got my attention. And I listen. And their voices are quite comforting, I guess, because I know Phil Collins. Like, it was like, he's got a really nice voice, I think. So it was nice to hear that. And watching their videos, one of them has three keyboards. Does that have a special name? Does it look very confusing? Got like three keyboards around him to play. And it's like, do they all do different things? Did he just like to swivel along? Is it a special one? Or was he just known as a key? I don't know who it is. It must be their keyboardist. But was he just known as a keyboardist? But yeah, three. I mean, he's just standard as keyboards. I mean, it could have been synthesizers. Mm. But 
E was probably mainly keyboards. Well, he had three of them. I would say with Genesis, they weren't known as an electro, you know, they were a proper band. And I suppose that's the difference. You're listening to actual musicians now. Like I said, yeah. you know, Sting can play a saxophone. He can play the harmonica, you know. Phil Collins, he started off as a drummer, you know, and he's a brilliant singer as well. Mm. They're um, not relying on the pre-programmed. They're not like the soft cell uh, OMD where they admit they're not even musicians. You know, they just this synthesizer press the buttons program it and yeah it sounds brilliant but they just got to press a button and what have you it's not as much talent as these no no no. i guess that's a good thing with rock they are talented they are bands they have people playing the actual music and that's what i mean by it was a lot of focus on the music rather than the content of like the lyrics I think that might be why I don't like as many songs because I think we've all gathered I like to have a sing in my car and if it's more focused on the music, as much as you can hear the talent, you can hear the range that they can do, but I can't sing to that. So I think that might be why it would be like, oh, I don't like that song because I think I sing to that one, but the music is good. And they seemed like they enjoyed themselves as well. Like in the videos, um, I watched invisible touch and they were like like one of them would have been phil collins but i don't know who the others are they were like filming each other with handheld cameras and just like having a bit of a laugh and they enjoyed playing their songs like even in the other ones like you can see that they've got that passion to do it so i like i liked that about them it's like okay well you're actually doing it because you like doing it not because you're just talented and can make a bit of money you're actually doing it although i can't dance was a weird video they do this little Oh, yeah, the walk thing, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing? It's a bit like Madness. Madness done that in one of their Yeah, um, they did, actually. Yeah. That must have been a move back then. (laughs) Well, I can't dance. You've got to remember that was from the 90s. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe they copied Madness. Yeah. But I don't know. It must have been Phil Collins, because I can't think of what he looks like. And like I said, I didn't recognise Sting, because he's younger. Might be the same with Phil Collins. But he changed his hair a lot. One minute was long. Next minute was short. And I know like the time would have gone on between that. He weren't just whatever, but it's like he couldn't make up his mind on the look that he wanted to portray. But they were coordinated in their outfits. So I quite like that about them. And like I say, they just looked like they were having fun and enjoying it. But there weren't much. Oh yeah, there was one guy. Were these formed in the 70s as well? So I'll, I'll go through it. So they were formed in 1967. Okay, that explains it, because there's one guy that looks very 70s. Like, he's got hair to his shoulders, and he just looks like... Is he tall? Because that yeah. sounds like Mike Rutherford. Yeah, I think that's Mike Rutherford. Uh, right, yeah. he just looked like, you know, like in the 70s when they had the long hair and he looked hippie-like? That's what no. he looked like. And I can't remember no. whether he then cut his hair, whether that was like an early one that I watched, and then he cut sure. his hair. I can't remember which one I noticed it in, or if I noticed it in all of them, but I was like, you look like... A hippie bloke yeah. from the 70s so i gathered they must have gone through the 70s uh, sure. okay okay so yeah formed in 1967 now funny enough we just said about guildford and they weren't from guildford and actually mm. the nearest was um jean jacques spinel who come from notting hill but moved to godalming mm. well funny enough genesis were formed in godalming they went to a school together and formed the band so like a music school i'm guessing I think it's just a private school. I don't know. I mean, we're talking Surrey. Um, but yeah, it was um, Charters, I think it was called, if I remember. I didn't write that down. Oh, Charters. I wasn't expecting to ask what the school was. The original lineup was Mike Rutherford, bassist guitarist, Tony Banks, keyboards. So he's the keyboard player he was talking about. Peter Gabriel, 
the singer, and then you had Chas Stewart on drums and Anthony Phillips on guitar. No Phil Collins at this stage. In 19, so they formed in 1967, and then in 1971, both Anthony Phillips, the guitarist, and Chas Stewart, the drum on drums, they left, and they were replaced by Phil Collins on drums and Steve Hackett, the guitarist. Okay. Then in 1975, Peter Gabriel left to do his solo. So he was a bit, as I say, like Sting. He left. So by this point, none of the original people are there. Yeah, Mike Rutherford Rutherford's still there and Tony Banks, the keyboardist. Oh, okay, yeah. They're still there. Yeah. Um, But Peter Gabriel left in 1975 to go on to to do his solo career. And rather than getting another vocalist in, Phil Collins then took over the vocals. And then... In 1977, Steve Hackett, the guitarist, left. So you're now just back to three. So like the police, you've got Phil Collins now, the drummer and vocalist. You've got Mike Rutherford, the bassist, stroke guitarist. And you've got Tony Banks, the keyboards. Okay. And what year are we in? So that's 1977 when Steve Hackett left. Right. So all the ones that I've listened to. So when you got to the 80s. Is that lineup? Is the, the trio. Okay. Right, I know who I've listened to then. Okay. Yeah. So as I said earlier, they are a progressive rock band and they were actually seen as the pioneers for that. So if you like these, it might be worth looking up other progressive rock bands. By all means, go and go and listen to other other things because while it'll keep um, your interest in them and might open your horizons. But yeah, so they're a progressive rock band and they were seen as the pioneers of it. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010, and they've been credited as influencing groups like Simple Minds, who we will come to, Echo and the Bunnymen, and Human League, which is weird because Human League okay. are an actual electronic, elect- electro-pop, synthro-pop. So they were influenced by a group like Genesis. So um, that I thought was a, a very weird one. But yeah, they had four albums in the 80s. And all were number one. So like the police, all their albums got to number one, even though they had no number ones. They had four top ten singles, but they had no number ones. But their albums did get to number one. So you do get groups that are people will more go out and buy the album rather than a single. And you get groups that just, you know, they they release a song, but they're not expecting it to do, you know, get to number one because they concentrate more on their album. Yeah, but I do think because there are so many, like you say, we're still in 1980. We haven't even got to the mid 80s when other groups start. We're still in. Well, actually, when you think about who we've gone through, we're still in the the groups that were probably formed that had their first sing hits and that in the 70s. Yeah, I think other than Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet, I don't think they'd had hits in the 70s. But most of the other ones that we've listened to. Have even, you know, when you go back to OMD and Gary Newman, you know, they had hits in the 70s. Yeah, but I think so because there's so many of them to compete by, you, even if you're big, you're going to miss out on them top number ones because there's so much getting released. So it is going to be hard. Yeah, I mean, you've you got to think of the amount of music that's around to get to number one is harder. But if you can get your album, because that's all your music. Yeah, that's yeah. probably a bigger 
accolade, I would say, than having, you know, yes, it's always great to have that number one, but how many one hit wonders do we know? Exactly. Whereas if you've got, if you've had four albums and, you know, the police, as I said, they three albums, all number ones in the album chart, that's your music that they like. Yeah, people are buying your music rather than just one song that they've heard and think, exactly. oh, yeah, I'll take that one. They're yeah. interested in what you're doing and your releases yeah. rather than yeah, just definitely. that song. Yeah, so I'd take it as more of a compliment. Yeah. As much as people don't think about album charts as much, I don't think. No, well, as you said, it, it's changed now because you don't download albums. You just download, well, you do. You just pick the songs that you want off the album. As you say, you know, they don't release songs like, here's an album, we're going to release three songs. Yeah. They just, there's the album, Pick take and what choose. you want off yeah. of it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a totally different way of, of marketing the songs now. It's totally different from what it was in the 80s, 90s, even the 90s. It's changed. Well, yeah, because like I say, I'm in that middle. Mm. Okay, so Genesis then. So the first hit was Follow You, Follow Me which was actually from 1978. I liked that one. Yeah, that got to number seven. So that was their first well, that's hit. Not so bad. again, you know, pre-80s. So then we go into the 80s. So 1980, Turn It On Again, number eight. 1981, Abacab, number nine. 1981, Keep It Dark, number 33. 1982, Paper Late, number 10. 1980, sorry, that was 1982, Paper Late. 1983, Mama, number four. 1983, That's All, got to number 16. And then you go to 1986, An Invisible Touch, that got to number 15. 1986, again, Into Deep, number 19. 1986, probably my favourite, Land of Confusion, number 14. 1987, Tonight, 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 number 18. And then 1987, Throwing It All Away, number 22. And then obviously I gave you the two that came out of the 90s, or were their hits in the 90s, which were No Son of Mine, 1991, number six. And then I Can't Dance, 1992, number seven. So they fluctuated a bit as well then, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. But not too badly. Like they were, they, It's kind of like they had their top ten hits and then all of a sudden one kind of flopped a bit but it was still and then a suddenly hit. going it to the 90s and they're getting top 10s again so that's why I put those in you know so it is a different music and that because I think they did sort of change their music sort of thing but I suppose you know um, I don't know what happened when Phil Collins if Phil, I think Phil Collins had left I would have guessed by the time of I Can't Dance mm. but I'm not sure unless he was with them and stood and doing his solo as well it would my well of I don't I don't know were they a mutual thing of we've taken it to here now? They all, as I say, they all, I mean, they'd already had changes in the group anyway. I'll see when um, Peter, um, oh, I've forgotten his name now, Peter Gabriel. Obviously, when he left, that would have been a big thing because he was their singer, you know, and he's gone. Obviously, Phil Collins took over and he worked out well. But then, obviously, Phil Collins leaving would have been, a, you know, but as I said, Mike Rutherford also left and formed Mike and And Organics, I guess that's a change. Whether that was like a side project of his. While Genesis still was doing, I don't know, I can't remember when, because Michael and Mechanics were around in the 80s. You know, if, they, if when you think of the early 90s with those two hits that we just spoke about, they could well have been still Genesis was sort of going, and obviously Tony Banks was still Genesis. Oh, so there was that an overlap. So whether Phil Collins and that were still there, but doing their own side projects at the same time. Yeah. 
And then they kind of took off with their side projects. Genesis got left behind and they all came to that agreement. Yeah. So um, that's pretty much it for for this week's on, on those, other than hit or miss. Now, I can guess there's a hit and I can guess there's a miss. It's what you're doing with the other one. I think two hits. So the police are a hit. They're definitely, I mean... It's the police, isn't it? Yeah. I knew a lot of theirs. So considering I know a lot of theirs, I've had them playing before me and you were even doing this. So they're definitely someone that I play off my own bat. So they're a hit. The Stranglers, you're right. I've got a miss. It's the weird ones. I just can't get down with them. I'm just a bit like, no, you're not someone that I can listen to again. Like even So I've made on my Spotify, because you can make your own playlist as well, I've made a playlist that I add my favourite songs from each week into, and then I can go back and listen to just my favourites. So there's one song in there from every artist that you've ever given me. And I said, I was saying to Connor, like ones like The Stranglers, I've obviously put my favourite in there, but I was referencing Arcadia, how as much as I picked a favourite in my playlist, I might skip it still, because it's not up there with the others that I've liked and the stranglers are kind of like a similar thing like I managed to pick a favorite yeah. and I do quite like that song but I'm not 100% on them so it might be a skip when I go back and re-listen so they're a miss and Genesis so bear with me here I put them as a miss really yeah I'm not a fan like, you know, they, they have got good songs. Like, I did like quite a few, but not that many. But I think that because they're a bit more rocky and a bit more focused on the music and the songs are quite long, it's not up my street. I wouldn't go back and pick them and put them on and play them again. But if they were put on or they were in a playlist, I wouldn't necessarily skip them. So that's why they're a miss. And I think when you've got Phil Collins, like Phil Collins on his own, great. But the rock band isn't really up my street and I wouldn't probably play them again. Like I say, if they were on, I probably wouldn't skip them. But they just, I don't know, I just didn't seem to connect with them as much. I mean, they could be a hit slash miss in a sense, but I'd go more of a miss. I don't want to lie and say, oh yeah, I did really like them. I'll put them on again. I'm not as thrilled about them as others which why i was surprised when you said that you liked them uh, yeah for me genesis yeah I'm, I'm genesis and obviously yeah the police um i like both their musics i suppose going back to yourself when we look at where we've been with with the rock side so the, the first group that sort of introduced you to rock was status quo and they were a big hit for you weren't they yeah yeah and then you had i suppose what a lot of people would class back then as probably pioneers to a, to a degree would have been the clash were you a hit on The Clash? Was a miss on The Clash. Yeah, so you was a miss on The Clash. But you were a hit on Stray Cats. Yeah. Which is... No, mm-hmm. not on Stray Cats, was I? No. Oh, wait, maybe I was. Yeah, I was. Oh, it's because I liked their country Elvis Presley vibes, didn't I? Yeah. Like, it's different, isn't it? It's how it's the vibes they give me. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. And then you liked, um, you liked The Pretenders. Yep. But you don't like Genesis? They're not similar, are they? I wouldn't say they're similar. Well, I suppose, I suppose uh, unless you're saying the pretenders are a bit like the police. And you've also got to think, I 
have said to you, I can like one person and give me someone that is literally sounds exactly the same and I might not like them. My music is so broad. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, the Vapors and Adam and the Ants probably stand out as probably still the biggest shock for me. <laughs> the Vapors were a hit and Adam and the Ants were a miss. Yeah. But that's people's different tastes in music. Okay. We're on episode eight and we still haven't had a full blowout of Miss, Miss, Miss. No. So that, that's the, the, main, the main thing. Is I think... That- it's been fairly even every week, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree. You know, I'm going back and we're having to remember what you've what you've said. I mean, definitely last week, the Pretenders were a hit. ELO were a hit. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. But um, the jam and Voxy music weren't. No. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm just a bit here, there and everywhere with my music. I told you I'm not predictable. Back when I revealed about me liking Vapors, I told you I'm not predictable. No, no. But like I say, I wouldn't necessarily skip Genesis. So they've not done too badly. It's not like I can't stand them. Um, you know, they don't come down in the weird category with like Squeeze or the specials. They're good to listen to. They're just not someone that I would go and put on and find yeah, out yeah. more about them. Not your cup of tea as such, yeah. So they are the sort of group that would be ideal now. Mm. So although in my time they were a big album group, as I said, Genesis had four albums, all number ones, they'd be ideal for you just to pick what you to, uh, as to pick and to. choose. Yeah. And I guess in like compilation albums, the ones that were on there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you I don't think you'd be an album buyer in the 80s because there's too much that you don't like. You like I like that song, but on the whole. I don't like them. Yeah, like I find when people release music now, their whole album has the same vibe across it all. And that artist, you know what you're getting from that artist. They've got certain... They've got their, their tune yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like they're... they're pretty they're much sound. the same. You you can tell. You can tell that. You listen to a mute and you go straight away, that's... Yeah. You know who this is or you've... Oh, I wonder if... That sounds like... Yeah, such and such. like, for example, yeah. you wouldn't expect Adele to all of a sudden start releasing big, huge, happy, dancey around music. I mean, I'm pretty sure it would still be amazing, but she's got her sound and that works for her. And that's the same as yeah. other people that release music. It'd be weird to hear them if they release music or something completely different or changing their sound. Whereas in the 80s, they all seem to have a little go and dabble in a I bit. I think that's and... just because the... I suppose, with, I mean, you must have, you've still got groups around now. Are they as talented as back then? I don't know. But obviously, you know, the synthesizer obviously was not cheating, but it, it helped, definitely. But these these groups aren't electro groups that you're listening to here. These are mm. musicians. And I wouldn't say they changed their mute. you know, I mean, I wouldn't say that, yes, there is a difference between the police is, I don't know, every breath you take to... A do do do, you know, they're, they're, yeah, 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 there is, but that's just, I think, because the music changed and they changed with mm. it rather than sticking to the same because you, you would get bored if it was just the same old sort of music, yeah. But I wouldn't say they changed, I, think I just think it's like such a bad did literally change genres from yeah. starting off with Cut a Long Story Short, yeah, which was electro synth pop. And then they literally went to True and Gold, which were very soul 
based pop music. Mm. I don't think we've come across anyone as, who's drastically changed from this to, to that. Mm. I doubt, okay, maybe sound is the wrong word to use. I think it's just the vast amount of maybe emotions and vibe they give off. Like one minute they can be up and dancing, the next minute they can be like, more focused on the music and the instruments and next minute they can be really chilled out and it's just like where are you going with this what do you want me to feel yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so I'd rather be able to pick out the ones that I just like out of them but then I guess you've also got to remember nowadays when I'm listening to the likes of what I like releasing their music I'm not listening to from their day dot to the end of that decade because it probably would have changed I'm listening to all of their 80s music where it might have changed yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the difference now is not many bands or groups, even soloists, that around this decade were around last decade or even a couple of years ago. Whereas in the 80s, you literally could go from 1980 all the way forward whenever they started, 1982, you know. I mean, just look at my three groups that I like. Aha! We're still going in the 1990s, we're still going in the 2000s, they're still going now. Okay, they're not releasing new music as such, although they, they have still released an album in the, in the last, you know, decade. Erasure, they've released a new album not that long ago. You know, the Pet Shop Boys, they're still going, they've changed with the times, they've still got their, yeah. they're gaining audience, I suppose, because people like me, they're, they're kids, you know, okay, with, you know, my kids, not so much, but... Definitely with them that they are getting the music that they're getting more. You know, followers. people are following them and they're still got it. I mean, I think nowadays, I, I touched on it last week, how light fast fashion it changes a lot. And I was saying how you can get one song, get it on the likes of TikTok, and it's in the charts because people have heard it so much, it's become something that people have downloaded and listened to. But you do have people that have gone through it but if you look down the charts there's not many people that I recognize because it's such a big competition of who can get their music out there who can become the next new person to hit the top 10 from and they've come from nowhere and they just released a song on TikTok and then all of a sudden they became a star overnight so it is a lot a big difference in the way that people are being founded they're not in their underground clubs anymore they're just knowing how to manipulate social media so it's a big difference but you do have the ones that are still going like you know Beyonce's from way back I mean she's from Destiny's Child and then did it on her own and that's from when I was younger and she's still going or you know even Justin Bieber like he's yeah he's my age he started off when he was that teenager he's still going so there are ones that are big and they're mainstream and they can release music and they're carrying on going they will follow through with the times and then you've got the ones that will just be one hit wonders or just know how to like I said manipulate social media and get their name out there and it's just the way that times have changed like even with the way that you listen to music is different so the way that it's being released is different than the way you're being founded so I think that makes a difference in the sense that you could one minute you're at the top of your game because it's the in thing at that point people pass that they get bored of that and they go on to the next person so it's hard to, harder to keep up. I think it's harder for these people nowadays to keep up unless you're founded properly like Beyonce back in the day or Justin Bieber back in the day and being signed. So, yeah, 
but I'm just definitely a picky. I'll pick out the ones I like. Yeah. Um, before I move on to next week, just going back to last week, mm-hmm. did you listen to Evil Woman and Pussycat Dolls Beep? Yeah, heard it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you. Yeah, heard it. And obviously, I know Beep. So, and it was weird to hear the Evil Woman and be like, oh, okay. I can hear the similarities, but I find that every time you give me a little sample to listen to, I'm like, what? I've heard this song like a million times and you would never have thought that they'd got an influence from something else. Uh, so this, this week, uh, I have to remember what it, what it's called. Set Adrift on Memory Bliss or something. It's PM, PM Dawn. PM. Set Adrift on Memory Bliss. That's it. I think it's, think, I think it's that. You need to listen to that and you'll know what it is. As soon, I don't even need to give you the other song. You'll know the song he sampled for that song. You're putting that trust in me. Yeah, yeah. PM Dawn, and I'm pretty sure it's Set Adrift on Memory Bliss. I think his name was Dawn. I think earlier I said Set Adrift on Memory Dawn. But no, it was PM Dawn and it's Set Adrift on Memory Bliss, I think it was. If you listen to that, you'll hear a police song. Okay. Okay. So is is this one sampling the police then? Yeah, yeah, and he's, right. I think he was in the 90s, PM Dawn, I think. It might have even been the noughties. Okay, I'll see if I can work out which one it is. I'll let you know next week. You'll know straight away. We'll see. At least it's not me having to think off my own, but at least it's one that I would have listened to recently. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just looked it up. It's, it is PM Dawn, and it is set adrift on Memory Bliss, and it was from 1991. Okay. That's not as recent as other ones that have been sampled. No, no. So on to next week, groups in. Are you ready? Yep. Hit me. Boomtown Rats. Have you mentioned them before? May well have. Because I recognise that name and I'm like, that's not because I know them. That yeah. must be because you mentioned them. I think I mentioned them when we went through the undertones. Right. Because okay. they're Irish. Yes. Yes. They were one that, yeah. Yeah. The Cure heard of them are we still in rock then uh it's, it's hard to explain i suppose it is soft rock sort of yeah okay dex's midnight runners no 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 idea okay that'd be an interesting one and echo and the bunnyman you mentioned them today and i, I giggled exactly. a little bit they were they were um influenced by genesis it said i think it was genesis yeah yeah so they're your four for next week Boomtown Rats, The Cure, Dixie's Midnight Runners, and Echo and the Bunnyman. Okay. Now, the funny thing is, the one that you've never heard of, I can guarantee the song that you most recognise will be Bomb Dixie's Midnight Runners. Okay. But then it also just shows that I have no idea of songs and artists and who sings what and when I just hear something and I like it and that's it. But I've heard of The Cure, but again, I can't be like, oh, I know these songs, yeah. so we'll see if I do know any. So if I said to you, The Cure, what what was one of their songs? No idea, Dad. No, exactly. Right. So you've heard <laughs> Send me the list and I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that that's this that's the end of this week's then. Yeah. I will look forward to next week's. I think it's back to the sort of music that, yeah, I, I like. Okay. All right, okay. so it might have passed. Boomtown Rats is a bit different, but that was just trans transitioning you back from what we've listened to back into what we're going into. I, yeah, yeah. I put them in there, uh, just where they fitted most. That, that, that is it. Okay. 
right, I'm intrigued now. I'll yeah. get my listening on. All right, then. I will um, catch up with you next week to uh, find out how you found it. Yeah, I'll let you know. Brilliant. You will. Okay. On that note, I will say goodbye. Yeah. Speak to you next week, Dad. You will. Bye. Bye.